0: Hello and welcome into episode 18 of the Stomp the Bus podcast. I am your host, Mark Harris, riding solo today since Colton uh, has some car issues. He'll be back on the show, presumably next episode. Um, And we're coming after you after (laughs) coming after coming to you after an ASU win, their third win of the year, this time a 42 to 34 win over Colorado that I don't want to say it wasn't that close because ASU did have to get a few first downs at the end, but it it really wasn't that close. ASU had firm control of this game uh, throughout most of it. And Colorado wide receiver, uh, what was his name? Jordan Tyson, who had a great game, uh, takes takes a punt to the house. And that definitely made things a little more – a little more tense, at least for me when I was watching it, but um, it didn't ultimately matter because ASU found a way to win, get their third win of the year. Trenton Bourget looked awesome, except for say for one pick uh, on the outside that didn't wasn't great. But I mean, <laughs> let me, let's see here: 435 yards, three touchdown passes. All of who all went to Jalen Conyers. By the way, he had a great game. Eight catches. Oh no! I'm sorry. Three catches or six catches. One 108 yards and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, Borget or Borget Borgay. Oh my gosh, mispronouncing things today. Um, Borgay 435 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He looked good, and he needed to be the starter going forward. Uh, that's what Aguano said. Offense just runs better when. Th- with him. And yes, it's against Washington and Colorado, but something tells me that if four was starting instead of Emory Jones against Stanford, they would have scored more than 14 points or even 17 points. Cause they had to miss kick. They would have probably gotten in the twenties and that would have been enough to win. Um, so, you know, I mean, who knows what the decision process was for starting Emory Jones against Stanford. Um, but the fact that Bourghay has looked so good in the in you know two of the past three games that ASU has played, right? Seems like it hasn't been that much because there was a bye week thrown in there. But it's been two of their last three games he's played and he's played very well in both games. So um I expect to see him starting for the rest of the year. He he throws a catchable ball. Clearly, um, I mean Elijah Badger, another just fantastic game. What else is new? Eight catches, one thirty-seven yards. Even their, even our third receiver Brian Thompson, six catches for seventy-six yards. Messiah Swinson, three catches for fifty-five. Like spreading the ball out, yeah spreading the ball around, focusing on the tight ends who both transferred in from. You know, Conyers came from Oklahoma and Swinson came from Missouri. You know, they didn't transfer in from Weber State or I'm thinking of Jacksonville State. There's another random FCS school I could think of at the top of my head. These guys transferred in from big schools. And it's it's hard for me to believe that they just incrementally improved so much only because they're playing Colorado. I think it's I think that speaks to Borgay running the offense, having a better grasp on it. Um, and just giving giving the big guys opportunities, you know. I mean, I'm going to talk about UCLA. Their defense is not that great. Like ASU will be able to move the ball against UCLA, and I'm very interested to see how Bourguet, uh handles it because that'll be the best that'll be the best team um, he'll go up against and the best defense as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really encouraged by what I've seen from him. Um, and it's at least it's at least something to hold on to uh as this season kind of winds down for ASU you know where look you beat colorado you got to 3 and 5 losing to colorado would have been you know whatever the highest defcon is or maybe it wouldn't have been because there's so many other bigger issues but it would have been really bad it would have been embarrassing um you don't want to lose to colorado so far only cal has done that and colorado like you you can see why they are, they uh their record is what it is, you know. Um and I'll, I'll give them credit, like the buffs, they you you could tell they definitely came to play, like they didn't mail it in, but uh it just wasn't enough. Their quarterback threw two touchdown passes, but went 13 of 34. So um took took advantage of the defense a little bit. Um to Davis got beat. Bad. I think it was a, a corner route. Um, I want to say at the end of the second half, and that that was not a great moment for the defense. Yeah, yeah. With three minutes left in the second half, that made it 21-17 ASU. And that that's that's the only real time in the game I thought that ASU actually was gonna lose, or not going to lose. Oh, ad yeah, plan, don't want that. Um uh when he caught that that was like a legitimate like oh this this could go wrong but to ASU's credit they went right down the field nine plays 71 yards uh in just over two minutes and Valde punched it in so he had a great game too Uh, 118 yards and two touchdowns he continues to just be a really impactful uh three touchdowns oh my gosh okay yeah he had three three rushing touchdowns for and three receiving for Conyers. So really good game offensively. Um, 42 points is 42 points, and they probably could have scored more if they wanted to. Um, Defense, not the best game from the defense. Um, They had a really good game against Stanford the week before, uh, but not – I, I get that the last touchdown was a punt return, so effectively they allowed 27 points. But even giving up 27, still too much to Colorado. Um, so and they they gave up 100 yard rusher and a 100 yard receiver. So you know Colorado wasn't really ever threatening to actually win, but um, just just too close. So you know I I thought the defense. Individual guys played well. Cal Sawilli I think I had, a, had another good game. Roe Torrance. I mean, he just, I would not want to be a receiver going up against him, man. Like he's just lengthy and he's fast enough. Not, to, not the number one quickest guy, but only some guys are going to be able to take advantage of that. So it's just, he is a, he's been a really good addition to this team. Um, and, you know, he's only one corner, but it's, it's been a good addition. And so we'll see what next year holds for him, but um, Hey, he's playing well. And yeah, so look, it's Colorado. I mean, they're still probably the worst team in the league. Um, Maybe they're playing a little bit better under interim head coach, uh, Mike Sanford jr. But ASU just kind of did what they needed to do really to just avoid the embarrassment of losing to Colorado. I mean, it's already been a rough season. You just don't want, there, there's no, you know, we talked about this before, but there's no benefit to losing games in college football uh, other than trying to get a coach fired. And that's, that's already happened. So, and in terms of the AD getting fired, that's probably irrelevant to what happens on the football field from this point going forward. Obviously the Eastern Michigan game, couldn't have been great for O'Ray Anderson, but um, so far, Michael Crow hasn't made any official move. Uh, we'll see what happens in uh, the coming weeks, but yeah, you know, it was just, it's just encouraging again, just to watch ASU be able to win a game. Um, This felt a lot like the NAU game. I mean, obviously against a better team, but it felt like ASU was in control for the most part. And, uh, you know, I don't know what this really like, shows about iguano because iguano was calling plays so and you know hey they moved the ball they did a good job but again at colorado that is a huge disclaimer that has to be made for this game um and it was was a road win um i think if you're if you're gonna win a game on the road it's gonna be against colorado uh you know i thought that there was no chance they're, they're gonna beat wazoo um I think it's in a few weeks on the road, but Wazoo just can't move the ball. So that game actually looks a little more winnable than I thought it would be. But um, yeah, so it's, you know, we're still in the same boat, but at least you got four games left. I think the offense is at least going to be fun in these next four games. I don't see ASU getting drastically blown out going forward, you know, you you know, UCLA could beat us by double digits and two scores and win. I, in fact, that's what I think what's going to happen. But it won't be like 38-14 or something. I, I don't see that happening. You know, I think, I think Borgay is too good of a – just too good, just knows too much about the offense. I mean, he's clearly just proven that he can move the ball. And, you know, I get that he's a walk-on, but maybe – you know, sometimes walk-ons can be really good, you know? I mean, sometimes they look like walk-ons, but clearly he's playing he's playing too well for you to think, "Oh, they're going to get blown out the rest of the way." They may lose. I mean, they there's a good chance they don't win another game this year. I think although I think that's off the I think that's probably off the table just With the way Wazoo and U of A are playing, I find it hard to believe that ASU won't win one of those games. I feel like four and eight is the most likely finish to this season, but five and seven seems possible. And again, the fact that five and seven seems possible highlights uh, how big of a deal it was to lose the Stanford game because that was a winnable game as we all watched and that could have got you to six and six. So, you know, small potatoes and the – uh, grand scheme of things, it's all about really finding the next head coach, uh, waiting what's going to happen from the NCAA that just keeps to drag on and on and on. But that's where we're at right now. Uh, on to UCLA coming in. Bruins are 7-1, and one, ranked 12th in the country. Their only loss uh, was on the road at Oregon. So definitely a good loss in terms of college football terms um they've they've really played well after kind of a shaky start didn't have the best uh non-con schedule in fact they they needed a last second field goal to beat South Alabama at home but you know since then they've really only had one impactful play you know 45 on Colorado 40 on Washington 42 on Utah lose 45 to 30 at Oregon, beat Stanford 38-13. Like their offense is rolling. Chip doesn't want to recruit at all, <laughs> as shown by the early years of UCLA in, in uh with his tenure, but he can coach offense like anyone, Dorian Thompson Robinson, having a fantastic year. Um and probably he was in the Heisman conversation before that loss to Oregon. So it's going to be a really tough matchup for ASU and ASU's defense. It's, it's tough to believe that like, this is going to be the week where ASU's defense really clamps down and gets everything together. I just think UCLA is just too big of a, too, too well-coached. It's a very old team and, you know, more experience always helps in college sports. DTR has been there for a while. I think this is fifth year there. Like, he's been there for a long time. And when, you know, when he gets going, he can be really good. And, but, but their defense is exploitable. Their defense is not uh, unstoppable, especially that, you know, it'll be a sun, a game at Sun Devil stadium. I think, I think this will be a decently attended game. Um, I think people, you know, you're having a good team come in. Um, The team is at least playing more excitingly with Borgay uh, you know, it's not going to be a packed house, but I could see maybe like a 65%, 70% type f- stadium, um, better than we saw earlier this year, but still not where you want to be, obviously. Um, so it's going to be tough. Um, the odds makers have it as A or uh, UCLA, on e- according to ESPN, they have it as. A have UCLA favored by 11 points feels about right. Um, that's that's a a tough line because I could, I I very much can see ASU being with them for a lot of the game, but just not being able to. I could see ASU losing like 32 to or like 34, maybe, yeah, maybe like a 27 to 45 type of game. Maybe that's just to, it, with uh, UCLA scoring at the end, kind of one of those games where like ASU will, it'll be a game at halftime, but they won't be able to, I, I just don't see them keeping up with UCLA's offense ultimately. So I could see, I definitely see them covering the spread, maybe backdoor, but I don't see them winning this game. I do think it is possible that they win this game um, just because, UCLA's defense is not that great. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's some weird Pac 12 magic, what, whatever you want to call it, that just sometimes you have these, you know, one loss teams it's late in the year. They're going down to ASU or U of A even, and they lose to a team that's just not as good as them. Uh, we've seen it a lot in recent years, uh, so maybe ASU wins based on that. You know, I mean, I, I remember being there. Uh, I want to say this was it was either 2017 or 2018 when ASU beat Washington, um, and they beat them like 13. It was a really low scoring game, and Washington would have probably would have won if their kicker had made like some short yardage field goals, and of course ASU. Uh, and Manny Wilkins end up winning that game. And um, it definitely the biggest upset I saw in person, but it it was clear that Washington was the better team. They just didn't play well enough and they didn't play a complete game to win. Uh, ASU was just the benefactor of that. And they obviously forced them to do that stuff too, but um, maybe they win like that. It won't be a low scoring game with UCLA, but um. You never know the, the the thing that really makes me kind of bristle at ASU winning though, um, or not bristle, but just not expect them to win this game is I think that ASU kind of pulled off. It's one home upset of the year. And that happened against UW a few weeks ago. So it'd be great if ASU won. I mean, last this is probably the last time UCLA will come to Sun Devil stadium in a long time because they're going to the big 10. So it would be great to send them off, ruin their college football playoff hopes uh, with a loss. Uh, And Hey, if ASU win this game, I mean, then that is going to be huge for Iguano's case, huge for the potential of them making a bowl game, you know, because that's UCLA is the toughest team left on ASU's schedule. Uh, Maybe you can, no, you can't argue Oregon state, Oregon state is definitely the second toughest team, but, uh, UCLA would be number one, and you know, I just don't. I just don't see it happening this weekend. I think UCLA is gonna just gonna be too good on the ground. Um, Zach Charbonnet is an awesome. He is so good. You know, we talk about Valde being good, and Valde is good. Uh, Valde has one thirty seven carries for seven hundred sixty yards, ten touchdowns. Good season. Like, you know, he's gonna have a thousand yard season, probably gonna have fifteen touchdowns. And but Zach Charbonnet, 128 carries, nine sixty-four yards and ten touchdowns in eight games. That is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, that's just that's averaging over a hundred yards a game. Um, granted, UCLA did not play an Oklahoma state type team on the road this year, so that could have maybe impacted the disparity a little bit, but um, as much as, as good as Valet has been this year, uh, Charbonnet is, um, he's, he's a really good runner and he's tough to tackle. Uh, so that, you know, that, that should be a fun matchup to watch, but it could be a very unfun matchup for ASU eventually in this game. So I'm excited to watch. I'm excited that this ASU team Excuse me even though they're losing and I've repeated myself, but the fact that it's just kind of a more offensive team, it's just more fun to watch an offensive team. If the team isn't that good, you know, if the team's good, you know, if ASU were six and two right now and they were playing like whatever, like a better version of Iowa where they muck it up and win games 20 to 13 all the time, then great. Like that would be awesome. But if ASU was doing that exact same thing and they were three and five like they are now, then no. <laughs> so that's where we're at. Um, I don't really have any, I, I guess uh, in terms of coaching search stuff, there's a new job. Auburn finally fired Brian Harson. and no, I do not want Brian Harson to be the ASU head coach. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, didn't have a great recruiting strategy at Auburn and there was also a lot of a lot of talk that he uh, wasn't exactly the most understanding of uh, what players were going through. And we don't need that. You know, we need a I'd so much rather just keep a guano than him. Um, for me, Dion, um, I think is still number one. Dillingham hasn't done anything to, you know, did they even play? I'm forgetting that Oregon play. Oh, I think. Oh, they played at Cal, yeah, and yeah, and Cal is a weird. Oregon's gone down there and lost. Uh, UW's gone down, gone down there and lost. It's just kind of a weird place to play. Uh, Wilcox is a good defensive mind, but Oregon, uh, they they put up plenty of points. I think they, you know, they got started a little slow, but eventually, once they got rolling, uh, Dillingham had his boy Bo Nix playing well, and they eventually beat. Cal 42, 24. Yeah. So another excellent game from Dillingham. Um, uh, you guys should check out uh, the Wilner and Kanzano podcast, uh, you know, two Pac-12 journalists. They had a uh, Fox sports color guy, Brock Heward on. And, you know, obviously in the pre-show meetings, um, they talk with the coaches, talk with the players. Apparently uh, Brock really liked Dillingham what like he was about, and him at ASU, it would be, look, it would be a risk. He's young and he hasn't been a head coach before, uh, but that guy knows offense. And if you're gonna be an inexperienced head coach, I'd rather you be one that really can scheme it up because that's our, that's already just such an advantage, you know, even if the defense doesn't even improve from this year, you know, um, just being able to, right. Th- by regularly scoring 30 points and not having it be like, Oh, they scored 30 points, you know, like having it be kind of normal to do that. Uh, such an advantage for any college football team, but obviously for ASU as well. So that's kind of where I'm at in the coaching search. I don't really think Auburn's opening. I mean, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll get Deion Sanders for some reason. I just don't think Auburn's going to get Deion Sanders. If they did, then I, hey, you know, Auburn can pay more money than ASU can. And if he goes to, uh, if Dion goes to Auburn, that's just how it's going to be. But, uh, and I and honestly, I don't expect ASU to get Deion Sanders. He's just my number one candidate uh, just because of how, and I, I know that he brings risk. Don't get me wrong, but I just think he could really inject a lot of attention um, and exposure for ASU. Similar to the way Herm Edwards did, but just in a more, hey, this guy actually has coached college football recently and has been successful doing so. Oh, and by the way, he uh, nabbed the number one recruit in the country to go to an FCS HBCU school. So clearly he knows what he's doing, um, coaching offense well down there at Jackson State. And he's also said he's considered Power Five jobs. So uh, Dion's out there. And we'll see what happens with ASU. I feel like the running favorites are one of Aguano or Dillingham. So I'd be, you know, honestly, I, I would be open to those, obviously Dillingham, but Aguano, um, Aguano I Iguano I'd still would rather not, but worst case scenario, if it's him or like Bill O'Brien, I'd go with Aguano. So Still four more games to be played. Still a lot of, you know, backroom coaching search meetings and boosters. You know, making sure that their bank accounts have enough to pay. Pay the next coach and hopefully getting NIL stuff more squared away and all this stuff. Um, Just eventually it'll all be solved. Uh, But right now we're still in the waiting game. So. We'll see how it goes, uh, but, you know, I would be, I would be fine with, I, I'm still hoping for uh, Dillingham. Um, but Iguano, look, Aguano calling plays, the offense looked a lot better. So I'm a little bit more open to him than I was last week, but losing 15 to 14 to Stanford is still really bad. It's really bad. And um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just a podcaster. I don't really know what I'm talking about anyway. So, uh, I do want to touch on one more thing. So since the last time I recorded the big 12 completed its media deal, um, it's really an extension. So their original deal goes through 2025 and this is on the sports business journal. Um, Halloween is one reported by John R Rand um six-year deals with ESPN and Fox Sports um worth 2.28 two billion um and that's basically they get the basically it pays them 300 I don't know totally how it works but ultimately um the big 12 schools will receive a little over $31 million per school as part of the deal, which that's good for the big 12. I'm glad the big 12 is sticking together. Um, But as the article continues, it also says, uh, quote and quote, PAC 12 officials are optimistic. They will be able to eclipse that figure. Um, And it also said that PAC 12 officials Initial reaction when they heard of the news was relief. So that that tells me that I don't think the big I don't think they're the Big 12's taking any Pac-12 schools, you know. Um it's you know, it's been kind of reported and hinted at by uh you know John Wilner, Canzano that ASU or not ASU, the pac is really gonna uh lean in with Amazon um and that's that and the thinking there is if they go with them, then there'll be more money available to uh have the TV deal pay out more than more than 31 million dollars. Or if it's or if it's not more, it won't be like significantly less. And that's the thing, like let's say the Pac 12 it ends up being $30 million per school, which would be not great, honestly, but it also wouldn't be like I just don't see a school completely unearthing so much of, you know, what, uh, what they do, their athletic identity, um, and move to the big 12. If it's a difference in $1.6 million a year, uh, I just, it's probably not worth it. Just, uh, you know, I'm a little biased here, but I don't, I, if, if this happened, I wouldn't want ASU to just jump to the big 12, um, for a marginal gain, you know, USC and UCLA, they left because their TV payouts were going to get like doubled in the big 10, you know, they're getting crazy, crazy money for school there. So that that's much different. No, no one's going to leave for a little bit more to just completely change everything about your school. You have to remember these PAC 12 schools, Uh, specifically, you know, U of A, there's a lot of rumors that they want to go. They get so many of their students from Southern California, just like ASU does. And so, sure, U of A going to the Big 12 would make it an awesome basketball league. It's already the best men's basketball league in the country. Um, But adding U of A's brand would help. But it's like, okay, sure, that's great. But so many of our students come from San Diego and LA and the Inland Empire Why, you know it's not worth it to make uh, you know a million dollars a year from our TV deal so that's good we 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 don't know when it's going to be announced um, there's a lot of there's some speculation that they're you know Klyovkov is waiting officially until the Regents uh, California Board of Regents uh, meets to discuss UCLA leaving. And I think that's sometime in the middle of the month, but to me, that's, I I, I know he has to wait to make sure that they say no. Um, but it seems extremely unlikely that that's going to block them. Uh, you, you know, UCLA from going to the big 10 and they, they're stuck back in the pack 12. I just don't see that happening. Um, and that's why uh, I think what's related to that is earlier this week, Kenzano released an article about uh, the PAC-12 and San Diego State being in in talks. And, you know, that would be – I think San Diego State is the obvious add to the PAC-12. And I don't think there are any other obvious ads uh, just because San Diego State, they're in Southern California. I get it. They're not in L.A., but they're at least in Southern California in a big – you know, San Diego's a big market. Um, their football team's good. They're not that good this year, but their their football program has been very good in recent years. They have put guys in the NFL. They've beaten Pac-12 teams, as ASU fans know too well. Um, and now that now they have a pretty good stadium, and their their men's basketball program is really good too. So they make sense. Like they, it, it's not hard to envision them being a competent Power Five team. Um, they have a pretty large enrollment or large enough enrollment as well. So. Uh, they would, I think they would fit. I don't think many uh, people would be upset with them joining. Um But other than that, it's like Boise State or UNLV or SMU. It's, you would only be adding them to get to 12, you know, to get to an even number. So I, I just think, I don't think it's the worst idea to just be at 11 teams um and have, San Diego state in, and it's an odd number, but the big 10 did that for years. Um, cause when, when it was before, there was a time when the big 10, after they added Penn state made it 11. Um, and so that, that, that they had 11 teams called themselves the big 10, but could do the same in the PAC 12 could make it the PAC 11, go to PAC 10, PAC 12, PAC 11. Uh, but other than that, it, it, it feels like San Diego State's been the only serious one considered. Uh, SMU would be interesting, but it just doesn't feel like they have some huge, uh, not even huge, like even a marginal like grip on the attention of the DFW sports scene. So maybe they would have a little bit more if they went power five, but you still have TCU there you still, I mean, Oklahoma fans are their Texas fans or their Texas tech fans, Oklahoma state, like Arkansas fans, like there's fans of sec schools. Like it's, you know, one of the largest media markets in the country of all sorts of pro sports teams. Um, I just don't see SMU being like some obvious answer, although I I wouldn't hate it, but I would rather have SMU than UNLV. I'll, I'll say that even though UNLV makes a little more geographic sense than they have the Raiders stadium. They've just been so bad in football recently um, that, it's hard to see they could just be the worst team in the power five. So maybe they wouldn't in the, if they were in the PAC 12, but um, there is another team that's gotten or another school that's gotten some buzz about realignment, but they don't have a football program. Uh, Yesterday it was reported by ESPN's Pete Thamel that Gonzaga has been in talks about potentially joining the big 12. Um, you know, obviously tough geographically, their only real uh, close team would be BYU. And I know people are saying, and I know it's like close in terms of the other schools, but Spokane to Provo is still not exactly that close. Um, even though they're just, in, even though they're in the Western part of the country, it's still not that that close to each other. Uh, but that would be really interesting. There have been other uh, reports that have come out that Gonzaga has uh, been in talks with the PAC 12 and the big East about joining them. So clearly they are looking to get out of the West coast conference. Mark few probably wants, you know, more of a challenging season throughout the course of the entire season, uh, which you can't really get in the West coast conference. I, they do play teams in the early part of the season, but um you know, many have speculated the fact that they don't have the full late season games against big schools has hurt them in the tournament. I I kind of disagree with that because they, they've they still made the title game twice, you know, so how, how badly has it been hurting them if they've made the title game twice? I know they haven't won it, but I think one of their games was a really close game, too, and so... You tell me a few offensive rebounds here and there, and I I get that it's a game of inches in sports. But um, anyway, that's a whole separate topic. But if if the Big Twelve does add Gonzaga, I think it'll be more like I just don't. From what I've seen, it it's not going to like totally affect the bottom line in terms of conference payouts. It would just make Big Twelve basketball the clear and obvious best in the. In the uh best in the country, you know, you have the two most recent national championship winners. You have Texas Tech who made the national championship a few years ago. Uh, you have schools like West Virginia, Kansas State, oh, or I guess not Oklahoma. Um, Houston I mean Houston's made the final four, BYU, you, you and you have just other schools like that, Iowa State, who are just like good solid teams that are just tough to beat on their home court, you know, it's college basketball, but I think I saw some reaction. I mean, Stuart Stuart Mandel of the Athletics said it would be colossal egg on the Pac-12's face if they let Gonzaga go. And I agree with that in terms of like a branding and maybe a narrative standpoint. But I just want to know how much of a monetary difference Gonzaga would make. And there's reports that Gonzaga doesn't want to go just as a – basketball only member and so then you have to have all the other sports in and that adds more complications and oh by the way Gonzaga you know it's not like they have a football team either right so excuse me that is money being left on the table because their football their non-existent football team isn't bringing revenue in so I don't know how it would actually work I think it would be great if the Pac-12 could add Gonzaga as a basketball only member um but maybe the fact that that hasn't happened um, really anytime recently thinks that maybe it's just maybe it's just a logistical. It's not going to happen. Maybe Gonzaga wants to have all sports in Pac-12 doesn't want that because one of those. They don't have football. And so it's not enough money that they're bringing. And maybe, maybe I mean, I'm sure if you're a Gonzaga fan, I know many Gonzaga fans. I really doubt that if they were moving to another conference, they would want to go. Oh, yeah, let's like sure it'd be great to go to the Big 12 in terms of competition it's a better basketball league than the Pac 12 undoubtedly but if you're if you're a Gonzaga fan many of whom live in the Seattle area and the Portland area do you want all of your road games conference road games to be basically in the Midwest or even you know it's central Florida like maybe Mark Few is just using the Big 12 as leverage to get to the Big East or the Pac-12, um, they should consider the Mountain West, honestly. I know the Mountain West isn't like a power basketball league, but there, there have been years they've put in like four teams of the tournament. Colorado State's a good program. I do San Diego State, like I've talked about, they're a good program. I guess maybe San Diego State leaves in the scenario, but um I don't know. Just just something I wanted to kind of touch on, but I don't know how much it really affects affects all that uh in terms of Whenever the TV deal would be done, but I guess if you're an ASU fan, um, just to wrap this all, wrap this stuff up, I don't think. Again, these these are just opinions. I don't have any sources. You know, I, this could all be wrong. So take it with a grain of salt. But I just, I think the the threat of the Pac-12 blowing up uh, in this this round of negotiations, I think that's off the table um, now. Five years from now. Maybe the Big Ten looks at Oregon and Washington again. And if, they, and, you know, if the Big Ten, Ten wants them, those two schools are gone. Good is gone. Uh, in the same way that FSU and Clemson are good is gone to the SEC if they want to go. But it seems like that's a few years down the road. So we'll see how, how this deal goes. You know, um, it's If you keep up with Canzano and Willner, it kind of seems like the end of the month we'll know something. So anyway – that's all for me today. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube and, uh, you know, comment and download on the podcast. Uh, we were on Apple and Spotify and all pretty much everywhere where people find podcasts. So uh, yeah. And hopefully the next time I'm on Colton will be able to join me. But until then um, go devils and beat UCLA this week. This has been Mark Harris on the Staunt the Best Stomp the bus podcast and uh, have a nice day.